Welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up, worship leaders? Welcome back to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. Today, I'm on with a guest, Josh Duncan. What's up, man? Hey, what's happening, guys? How are you doing? uh, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. The weather in Texas has finally shifted uh, from the high 90s to now. I think when I woke up this morning, it was 68 degrees outside. So I had a cup of coffee, just opened up the windows, and I think even now it's still just like low 80s, mid 80s. So it's great, man. Man, that's awesome. Anybody who's been watching this for a while knows that I'm from Arkansas, where it's a real similar weather to Texas, uh, but I just moved to Iowa and we kind of had the similar shift just a few days ago where one day it was uh, 80 and then the next morning I woke up and it was 45 degrees and, uh, oh, and it didn't get warmer. And I was just freezing all day long and everyone here is in shorts and t-shirts and I'm like bundled up in sweatshirts and hoodies and jackets and they're all making fun of me and it's awesome. Dude, are you going to be ready for all the snow y'all are going to get? I don't, I don't, I, that would be like a paradigm shift for me. Like I wouldn't be able to know yeah. what to do. You know, I, I'm, I think from what I've heard is they're so good at getting the snow off the road that within, if you get a foot of snow within an hour, the roads are totally drivable. Uh, oh. The difference is it's also like negative 20 here in the winter. And so it's just, I think it's more just the cold will be the hard part than the, uh, in the snow, but we'll, we'll see. Um, we're excited for it. At least I won't get as hot. The summers here are super nice compared to Arkansas and Texas. And so it's like, yeah, 85, maybe 90 in the summer. It's it's pretty nice here. Anyways. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell for anybody watching this who maybe uh, doesn't know who you are, where you serve, just your role at your church uh, and where you're serving. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the lead worship minister at Northway Church, so I could break that down, that title down a little bit. Our church, uh, we were a multi-site church. Uh, we are part of the Village Church here in the DFW area, and so we are the Dallas campus of the Village Church. And in October 2019, we rolled off to become our own autonomous church, hoping to localize and contextualize missions and the gospel in the city of Dallas, specifically Northwest Dallas. Um, and so we have some, we have a ton of similar DNA with the village church. And one of those things specifically is that ministers are paid deacons and pastors are paid elders. And so I'm not an elder at our church, but I am, uh, the lead worship minister at our church. So sometimes if I'm introducing myself in a non super Baptist context, I'll just be like, I'm the worship leader. It just sounds, doesn't sound as uh, 1970s, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is great. I'm. I won't get into job title stuff, but I, I do. I actually really appreciate the way you broke that down for us. We'll, we'll need to hang out. We need to do another one of these sometime just to talk about the difference between serving on staff at a multi-site to an autonomous church. I'd oh, love yeah. to hear you your experiences because yeah. yeah, we just made that same shift. And so yeah. yeah, moving from, yeah, the five campuses at fellowship to now uh Candeo church here, which is totally autonomous. It's part of a larger network, but every church completely autonomous um, in how they do everything. And so it's awesome. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Well, man, one day uh, or today, I just want to talk with you. Uh, we're both young worship leaders in our mid twenties. 
And I think sometimes that comes with a unique set of opportunities and challenges. And so this video is really for anybody watching who maybe finds themselves kind of under 30, newer and leading worship, or maybe you've even been leading worship. You know, some of us at our age can be leading for like over a decade already by the time you're in your mid to late twenties. Uh, but it does come with a unique set of challenges. So we're just going to talk about that today. And so to start, I just want to learn a little bit about how the Lord has called you into ministry. Like, how did you end up being a worship leader? Yeah. So we probably have pretty similar stories uh, in the sense of like when we kind of started at least playing music, you know, and hopefully we can talk about this here in a little bit, but just the difference of like playing music on a stage versus like leading worship are two very yep. different things and different heart postures. Amen. Um, and so, but I would say that the moment I felt like a real calling and, and leading by the Holy Spirit to, to be a worship leader as a job vocationally was I was on a mission trip, already a classic story, I was on a mission trip in New York City. Um, and I was going into my senior year of high school, or maybe it was right before my freshman year of college. I'm, it's one of those summers, I'm blanking on which one it was. Um, and me and two other guys, we were in like the youth band in our like youth group and we were leading worship for a teen halfway house. And so we are leading worship in this context where it's, it's teenagers who are all basically my age, some of them younger, maybe some of them a little bit older. Um, but for the most part, they were all the same age and we are leading worship in this context where there are these teenagers who have, um, just gone through the ringer in a lot of ways, like been strung out on drugs, been kicked out of their house, been in um, juvie. Like it just, all of them had so many different stories. But seeing these men and women, uh, or really boys and girls, I mean, they're teenagers, like worship the Lord in a way that I didn't even understand. Like just seeing like them experience like the radical transformation grace of the gospel. Um, and the friendship uh, of our King Jesus and seeing them worship was this moment of like, oh, like I'm in, like you have my full yes, like I'm going to do this for, man, as long as the Lord has me. But um, it was this moment of like really seeing how uh, lives can be changed for the gospel and then like the outworking response of like someone who's tasted and seen his goodness. And so that was, I would say that was the moment where I was like, all right, I'm here. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Wow, that's really powerful, man. I love hearing that. Just in hearing that, I'm just so reminded of Ephesians 5, uh, where Paul writes to the church and says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It sounds like it was in a context of addressing one another in songs that the Lord really did a work in you by His Spirit. That's really that's really powerful and encouraging. And so, yeah, man. yeah very cool, man. And so... Uh, so that's kind of like when you felt that pull. So how old were you when you first like got on a stage and, or I'll, I'll say this, how old were you when you gave your life to Christ? Uh, I mean, I remember going to church when I was like four. Uh, uh, but in regards to giving my life to Christ, you know, I would say I was probably in fifth grade, maybe. Okay. Fourth or cool. fifth grade. Now, when I actually started keeping in step with the Spirit and seeing fruit in my life, that unfortunately probably wasn't until sophomore year of college. Okay. Um, but I would say that I, I grew up in within the church and understood a lot of the uh, the realities of the Bible. Um, but in regards to application of it in my heart and in my life, 
probably not till college, but I'd still say that I can look back and even last, so funny last night, I don't know when this is getting posted, but even last night, our gospel community, we're sharing our testimonies to get to know each other a little bit. And I was just even just recounting like the Lord's faithfulness in my entire story, even in the midst of like seemingly being far from the Lord, but saying that I had like accepted Jesus, you know? Um, so grew up in the church. So probably fourth or fifth grade is when I made the decision, uh, but took it seriously in college. Yeah, man. So that, that is super helpful. I love, I, I, it leads right into the next question. So real young, give your life to Christ, maybe a little bit older where you really start applying it and walking in the spirit. But when did you start serving on a worship team and playing worship music? Yeah. Uh, eighth grade, we had a junior high worship team and then we had a high school worship team. And I remember being really close friends with like two guys who were in the junior high worship team when they were in eighth grade. I was in seventh grade. Uh, and I, and I told them like, yeah, I play guitar. And they're like, great. Like in four weeks, you know, we're moving up to freshman or like the ninth grade ministry, whatever. Uh, can you lead? And I was like, totally i got it and but like i had only played like smoke in the water at this point like i was like i had never i had never actually like played chords and so i immediately like that day went like bought a chord book or something uh and just learned like gcd or and then was like all right i think i could play days of elijah and so then we just like then we just rolled with it and so like in four weeks I was like on a stage with like two other like middle schoolers like singing some song in eighth grade. Yeah. So eighth grade was when first time I took like got on a stage in front of people and sang some music. Wow. So really young, gifted with music, given some opportunity to start lead, maybe even a while before you really started seeing the fruit of the gospel. I think that's, that's really common. I'll share a little bit of my story. I didn't grow up going to church every week. And so, uh, the Lord found me and saved me when I was 20 years old. Uh, and so as as a 20 year old, I give my life to Christ. I walk into a church, uh, second Baptist church in Conway, Arkansas, my hometown. I love that church. dearly. And uh, yeah, shout out to those guys. They gave me an opportunity to serve. My first Sunday, I met the worship pastor. Uh, he was on stage leading. And at the end of service, he said, if anyone here plays guitar, I'd love to meet you. And I walked up, I met him, and I joined the worship team. My very first Sunday, I was a brand new believer. Wow. I mean, so we're talking between like salvation and serving. I mean, it was it was less than months. Dude, like, I love like that, almost, man. And obviously, it was almost instantly. And obviously discipleship, needs to play a part in, in this whole conversation. Yeah. But man, I'm so encouraged to hear that. There are so many people, even who just, and this could just be like the Bible Belt aspect of like where I'm yeah. doing ministry, but so many people would say that they are believers and followers of Jesus. And yet when I look about, man, how are you serving Jesus's church and his bride? It's like, there's a disconnect there of like, yeah. hey, believers are supposed to now be pouring into and serving the church. Uh, yeah. And so even to hear your story, like, yeah, was your heart posture hundred percent correct? Maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Were you discipled and ready to like call people to lead worship and, and lead not. capacity? Probably not, but yeah. you were like, I think I'm supposed to do it. And so I'm just going to do it. And I love that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. The Lord was really faithful. And I would say by God's grace, a company with my first Sunday joining the worship team, it was also me joining a discipleship group and, and then being very intentionally. So within a few weeks, the college pastor and I met and he actually one-on-one discipled me for four years. And so that whole time, as I was growing as a worship leader, I was growing really intensely in my love for the Bible and prayer and what it meant to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, even one year past that, like I served, I think 
almost every single Sunday for that whole year. Uh, and then I took two months off the next summer cause I was overseas on a mission trip. And so it was like a really steep, uh, discipleship curve where that church really took me in. They, they weren't saying like, Hey, you don't have to prove yourself to join the team. You don't have to show a long track record, but you say you follow Jesus, been baptized. We welcome you in. And it was like, they disciple me as they let me grow in my uh, ability to serve. And so, uh, but there was a, an element of that where it's like, man, I was thrown in really early in my walk way before I knew I didn't have a clue what we were doing. I didn't understand worship. I had only played, I actually not smoke on the water, pop punk lead guitar player. That was my only, that was my only like, you know, worship instrument context. It's like, okay, up there I see, I was a music major, but like, we didn't have like, you know, band and orchestra stuff at, at the church. And so I was like, Oh, guitar. Yeah. I played in a pop punk band. I guess I can lead worship. You play bar you know, chords all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you Not can only deep. imagine what the first, uh, what the first service I led, what it sounded like. You can yeah. only imagine. I'll let that one be, uh, just, we got to get a video. Surely we can find something. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but with all that being said, you know, did you feel like as you started getting into more context of leadership, did you ever feel like you were maybe being given an amount of leadership that you weren't quite ready for? Maybe that was character wasn't quite ready for it. Maybe it was competency. But did you ever feel some of the disconnect between because you had some skill, some talent, you were given more leadership than maybe looking back, you even go, oh, man, how wise was it that they let me lead? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, that's a great question, bro. I think I would say 100% I wasn't ready. Maybe not 100%, but I would say even when I look back and I think about the positions I've had. Um, and so I'm 26. I'm not even sure. I think this podcast is going to be posted here in a few weeks, but like probably going to be 27 by the time this this podcast posts. Like, So I'm right around there, 26, 27. And even now I'm like, man, like I'm – by the grace of God, I have an elder at our church who's our lead pastor, and I, and I report to him. He's my supervisor, and he's just been discipling me for like three years. And, and I feel like every year when I look back on the last year, I'm like, I have no idea why they hired me, you know? And uh, I don't even mean that as like a like a pity party, like, oh, woe is me. I mean that just genuinely when I think about like uh, elders at our church and pastors who are being paid by uh, from our people's tithe dollars uh, to be able to do the work of ministry. I'm like, man, I just long to look more like Jesus than I do right now. And that's what sanctification is. And I, I have, I have time to grow in that and I have time to look more like him and, hopefully that's what we're always doing. And so, um, but even like, man, I think about like Chandler and those guys when they planted the village or when they took over and it became the village, like, everyone in that time would be the first person to be like, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I think they like, I think the village became a thing when Chandler was like 28, you know? And he's like, I would never recommend it, you know? And it's kind of like one of those things like I feel where I was like, man, I was, um, I became the associate worship leader at a church at 22. And then I became the worship leader at our church at 23 years old. Like I was like the worship leader. Um, and which was crazy because at the village, because I got hired on as a worship leader at the village because we were still part of that campus at a time. And the youngest worship leader they had hired before me, um, I want to say was 30 years old and had a kid. And so like even there, like even just on like life stage, I just kind of came in feeling very uh, incompetent in regards to 
character development and even like season of life. And so um, to answer your question, I for sure feel like I was thrown in before I was ready. Um, and at the same time, man, I, and I wouldn't change it, man. I think like even with marriage, like I, my wife and I have been married for about five years now. And I, we got married when I still had a semester left in college. Like I hadn't even graduated college yet. And I, I compare it in the same way of like, man, if I look back and think like, man, was I spiritually ready to like lead my family and shepherd Laney? No, I wasn't. Uh, but by the grace of God, he's shown me grace and, and has really given me an understanding of what it means to be dependent. Cause like, I don't, I'm entering into this, you use an example, like I'm entering into this care case where someone's marriage is falling apart. And I'm like, man, I'm like 25 years old. Uh, what am I even? And I think it's really given me a sober understanding of like, man, I don't have the words of life today, but we know what does. And it's the Bible, like the gospel has words of life. So as long as I'm running to that and I'm using that as like what I'm pointing people to, then uh, just trusting that the Lord is going to do what he's going to do. But yeah, so I would say I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready to, to take the position at least I have now uh, when I did take it at the time. Yeah, man, that's, that's so similar to my story. So I was 20 when I got saved, 20 when I started leading worship, 21 when I started leading a full team and shepherding a volunteer team, 22 full-time associate worship leader, 23 full-time worship pastor at Fellowship Bible Church. It's literally couldn't like exact same kind of thing. And so, uh, and and all of what you said, I think one of the things I want to get into is like, what are the unique challenges of being young? And I think there's a couple of them. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts, but I think there's the grow. you're still growing in capacity in character and competency. So there's just an element of like, maybe some of those things aren't all the way there, but maybe our competency is high enough that we kind of get into some of those roles. Um, but then there's also the element of like shepherding people who are one older than you two more mature than you. And so I know like when I went to fellowship, I was 20 plus years younger than most of my volunteer team. So there was a two decade gap between the team that I was taking of which one guy, I don't know if he's going to watch this, an amazing elder who had been the volunteer worship pastor. Like he was an elder of the church led in a volunteer capacity, but like led the whole team for eight years before I got there. And now he's my volunteer and the whole church looks up to him and he's two decades older than me. And it's like, man, that just creates. And he was a good friend of mine. Um, He was also my like doctor, like my actual doctor that I would see, which was cool. I just, I love that guy. But it was like, it did create some unique challenges. What would you say for you are some of the, the biggest, you've already said some of the like care shepherding things. What are some of the biggest like challenges you personally faced in those early years or even now as you're still only 26, about to be 27, what do you find to be the greatest challenges? Yeah. Um, so maybe just a little bit of context for where you're at or where fellowship was at versus where Northway's at. So Northway's a really young church. Um, I think the median age at our church is 25 or six. Like we have just a lot of young singles. Cause you have a lot of people who will move here right out of college to do like an internship or like maybe like a one to two year thing. And then they get a job in Houston and then they move down to Houston or like, you know, that's a really common, that's a really common story. Um, and so in regards to volunteers, definitely have volunteers uh, who are older than me. Um, but I don't have, 
uh, a ton that are just like 20 years older than me. Like I think the majority of them are probably going to be younger than me, like in college or right out of college or like early thirties. Like that's probably, that's kind of the, the volunteer group I'm dealing with. Now I will say there's still, even within that, there's still some, some, uh, some struggles and some insecurities on my end of feeling like I can't, like, I want to ask them how their marriage is going. And then I, but, and I want to do it like, honestly, but it's like, they've been married for 12 years. Like, what do I have to, <laughs> yeah. to offer them? And I yeah. think, and I think one of the things I've just had to remind myself is like, shepherding doesn't mean you always have an answer for someone. Shepherding means that you've asked the question, and how's your marriage? And then we'll, we'll go from there. But to assume that because of my age and because of my, how many years I've been married or how many years I've been leading worship that I can't care for you by asking, man, how are you doing? I feel like is a, that's a, that's a miss. And I think it's been something that we feel like you can only care for someone if you have answers or you've gone through it, which isn't necessarily true. Um, and so I would say definitely feeling like just because of season of life, like what you were talking about, season of life, sometimes feeling like I can't uh, enter into uh, caring for someone, like someone who's, you know, 35 or 40 could. That would be one. I think another one, and maybe this is getting into more uh, of my heart uh, in leading worship, but there have been times where I feel like because I'm so young, um, it's almost like sometimes my relationship with the Lord. Like I knew there was nothing I could do to get me a seat at the table, but now I feel like now that I'm at the table, I need to do a certain amount of things to keep my spot at the table. And so in ministry, the way that looks like is because I'm young, because I have a higher capacity, uh, or not capacity, I have a high capacity too, but a higher competency, um, and my character is catching up with my competency, I feel like what it what the enemy would like to tempt me to do, and maybe you can relate to this, or maybe some other people can relate to this who are watching this, is what it's, what it's allowed me to believe in different seasons of ministry is I need to hide my weakness, and I need to hide my sin because people actually found out who I was. And if people actually found out, I mean, I'm actually struggling, that it'd be like, well, we knew we shouldn't have hired the young guy. Let's bench him and let's get someone else in. You know what I mean? And so that's definitely been something I feel like the Lord has just over time of abiding with him. He's slowly started pruning those things away of like, man, I have nothing to hide and I have nothing to even prove or offer outside of like the blood of Jesus. And so... Um, I would say, I would say that in regards to like trying to overcompensate because of my age and character is one of those things. Yeah. Wow, man. I, I definitely resonate with that. Just the, this thought of like needing to almost like pretend like we have it all together because we're trying to lead people and in knowing it's like the, the calling of a worship leader, it's a high calling. It's not something little or to be thrown away. And so we want to treat it with a kind of honor and, and in that it's like, Oh, if they think I don't have what it takes, like, would I lose my spot? I remember, uh, walking through a hard season, um, a few years ago and, and I was actually leading a rehearsal and I started crying in front of my worship team. And I thought, Oh no, this is going to be really bad. Like I'm showing weakness. And now I, now I have to explain, like, there's all this other stuff going on behind the scenes that not a lot of people know about. And when, where I thought I was going to be met with, uh, condemnation and judgment 
was actually met with a team that laid hands on me, prayed for me, and then lifted me up and, and helped me walk through a really hard season uh, in my life and marriage. And it was amazing. It was like the way that our team rallied behind us. It was actually a moment for me of going like, you don't have to have it all together. I think Watermark, they say this a lot, like uh, lead with a limp. It's like, it's actually good sometimes to like expose our weaknesses and not yeah. try to hide them. That's actually a good way to lead your team. And so no, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I think yeah. that's super good. You don't have to have it all together. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think you hit on a lot of the same things. It's like a lot of it has to do young people. Like it's not that we don't have the capacity or the leadership or the ability to like choose songs well. And like we have other, I have other videos talking about all those things. The yeah. biggest disconnect seems to be that we actually look really good on stage and sound good, but our character is like really yeah. maybe lagging behind. Something we even say a lot is that we want to choose uh, character over competency because yeah. of how easy it would be to flip those. And, you know, I, I think, what are some of the tips you would have for young person watching this who wants to grow in leaderships, getting a lot of opportunities uh, to lead right now? What would yeah. you say to them about how to grow and their love for Jesus, their character? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say to them? I feel like recently over the last probably five or six months, the Lord's been bringing to mind the passage of when Jesus gives his disciples authorities and he sends them out and they're like healing people, they're casting out demons, like they're doing these crazy things, okay? So let's translate that real quick to just our our situation. That's like, you know, our lead pastor or whoever tells us, hey, why don't you go lead these things? And so now we're leading at, we're leading at church on Sunday. For you, you're leading at your college gathering or maybe we're leading at a camp, a D-NOW conference, whatever, fill in the blank. And I feel like, you can go about that with a good heart. So I'm, I'm not trying to tell people they can't go lead at things. Like I, I lead at things outside of Northway. And so that I don't think that's the issue is reps. Okay. So like I understand that uh, the only way to get stronger in a lot of ways is to have some of those reps. And so, but what's crazy is these disciples come back and they tell Jesus, man, we were healing people in your name. We were casting out demons in your name. We were doing all these things in your name. And Jesus says this really profound thing. He goes, man, praise the Lord for all that. That's crazy. Keep going. You know, he's like, but more than that, one of the things I want you to know. And so one of the things I would tell a, a young worship leader and some, and one of the things I tell myself as a young worship leader is like above all those things that you can do, you need to rejoice that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's just this idea of like, your identity is not attached to the things you are doing. So your identity isn't attached. Your identity isn't being a worship leader or your identity isn't being a college student. Your identity is actually uh, being found in the blood of the lamb and being written in the lamb's book of life. And so one of the things that I would tell a worship leader, a young worship leader who's wanting to grow in leading worship is, man, what is your relationship in the quiet place look like? Because anything we're ever doing on a Sunday is going to be an overflow of that. Anything we're ever doing on a Sunday is going to be found in like, what does my time in the vine look like? And if if it hasn't been spent abiding in the vine, and if it hasn't been spent going to uh, the living word, then I can promise you that it's just going to be whitewashed tombs and it's just going to be lip service on a Sunday, you know? And so I want, I want the people that I'm discipling and developing and the things that I'm wanting to remind myself about is that I mean, my, my name has been written from the beginning of time in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
and how I can lead out of that. And I don't have to, um, I don't have to be killing all these reps and doing every single opportunity to lead because it doesn't change that. And so that would be one of the things I would, I would, t- I, I have been, uh, telling my team and I have been even just reminding myself of, and, uh, and that's actually that passage right there is actually also why we emphasize meaningful membership before serving is this idea of like, I want you to belong somewhere before I'm asking you to do something. Nothing's worse than like feeling like you show up to, to like say lead worship or this can apply to different things, but it's like, you feel like you were just wanted and used because of what you can do, not because of like who you are, you know? And so that's also why we really emphasize meaningful membership before, like some sophomore in college in Dallas is like, can I get a shot and lead on stage? I'm like, absolutely. Let's have that conversation. Uh, Hey, the next membership class is here. If you want to become a member here, like we can enter that conversation, you know? Yeah. That's so good, man. That, that reminds me a lot of another thing Jesus said in Matthew seven. It's like, you know, many will come to me on this day and they'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons Mm -hmm. in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not perform many mighty miracles in your name? Did we not lead worship in your name? Were we not pastors in your name? Yeah. And he says, away from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. Like it's entirely possible. Like it's sobering. Like it should, like we should feel a weight. It is entirely possible to lead a killer worship service and sound amazing, totally devoid of the spirit. Now, I don't think you can lead a real worship service without the spirit. I don't think it's possible to lead people in worship apart from the spirit. I think when Jesus says that the father seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, that there's actually a prerequisite that any kind of worship or worship leadership would have the spirit first. There's no worship apart from the spirit, but you can lead songs in a church and get the accolades of man. You can even cast out demons. The scripture says and perform miracles Mm -hmm. and, and not, not be full of the spirit and in relation with Christ. And so we need to feel as worship leaders, a real sense of like, it's so easy to get on a platform get lights in your face and, and do all this stuff. But if it is detached from, like you kept saying, like abiding in the vine, what, what is, what does Jesus say? If you, if you don't abide in me, all the branches who don't abide, they're cut off and they're thrown in the fire. I, I don't want to look up one day and be count among the many who thought they were connected to the vine but actually we were just sitting on another branch. And so yeah. I think, I think it, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And yeah, I think, I think as worship leaders, we should, if you're young, you're watching this, like feel the weight of the scriptures today as, as you're watching this thinking, yeah. yeah, am I really, am I really connected to the vine, the true vine of life? And if you are, oh, the pressure's off. Like you don't have to create the moment. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to prove yourself. That's not what abiding means. Abiding is none of those things. Abiding yeah. is being with Christ and letting him do the work in us. And so, yeah. man, that's so good. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. Uh, I would say as we kind of close this time, do you have any thoughts? I think a lot of young worship leaders want reps and it's easy to miss the opportunity and reps aren't bad. We all got reps and that's why we're where we are. Yeah. But for the worship leader watching this and there's, they're maybe in their mid twenties, late twenties, and they're starting to see some younger guys come up under them and they don't know what to do with them. Do you have any tips for developing young worship leaders in a way where you're, you're not giving up your leadership because you're developing others. You're actually increasing in your leadership by developing others. Do you have any thoughts about that? I know you do a lot with development as well. Yeah, man. I think I try to bring, if I can, as much as I can do it, 
I try to bring a worship leader with me at a lot of things I do. And so if that's on a Sunday morning, I'm always going to have like at least two other singers and I'm just like handing out songs for them to lead. Um, we also have different spaces within our church that where you're able to get reps like, hey, we have a live band that leads in our kids ministry. You know, it's not glamorous at all. And you're going to be doing funny motions and dance moves, but you're getting reps and learning how to like, okay, how do I transition between songs? And um, and so I think if someone is wanting to learn and grow, they're willing to do whatever it takes. And if that means, if that means not leading in the worship center or on the main stage, but you're still being able to like flex that kind of like, okay, let me try to get some reps here. Then I would just say, one, to make sure your heart's in a good place. Obviously, if there's anything you can, whoever's watching this, like if there's anything you hear Dalton and I saying, it's just that like your heart's the thing that matters in this. Uh, and it's why we want you to go about it in a really sober way. But if you're willing to grow in your ability to lead worship, man, I want you to just submit yourself under whoever your worship leader is um, and, and really trust that they have some avenues and uh, platforms for you to lead to be able to get those reps, even if it's not necessarily in the main spotlight or like the main worship center. And one of the things that I've encouraged our people, this is just a little side note, but like we see in scripture a couple different places where there's just something powerful that happens when people are singing. You know, I can't explain it. I don't know exactly what it means. Um, but there's something evangelistic in nature about singing. Like even like in Psalm, Psalm 40 is coming to mind. Like, like I cried out to the Lord and he set my feet upon a rock and he put a new song in my mouth and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Like that's all that same verse. Like this idea, like they put their trust in the Lord because of a song they put in someone's mouth, you know? And so one of the things that I've told my team is like leading worship in the kids ministry is actually going to be one of the most evangelistic things you can ever do. Because if you're in our worship center, the majority of the people are there are saved or at least say that they're saved. And if you're leading in the kids ministry, man, it's a bunch of like first grade heathens who just want to (laughs) joke about poop and like just joking around, you know what I mean? So I'm like, man, like the Lord could do some work, like leading in kids ministry to actually see kids like put their faith in Jesus and then get baptized at a celebration service. You know what I mean? Um, And so all that said, in regards to like how to develop and give people reps, I would say that's one of the things that... I'm trying to intentionally think about is what are some what are some avenues I can be able to bring other people into this, regardless of if they're killing it or not. Like I, I would much rather someone come in with a servant heart who has a desire to learn than someone who automatically is coming in with a super high um, competency. I would rather someone who has like mid-level competency, but has like a heart for the Lord and wants to grow. I'm like, oh, I can run with that for days, you know? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm reminded in a really sweet way right now as you say that of when I, when I started leading, uh, at worship at my first church, I, I just played electric guitar on Sundays. Like I didn't really sing. And as I felt more of a stirring towards leadership, the, I, I think it was the very first time I got in front and actually sang in a, in a context of that church. I'm remembering it was in kids ministry and there were only like six kids in the room. And I sang come now foul and this little light of mine. And I had to look up the lyrics for both. Cause I didn't know those songs. It's amazing. And that was and it, me with a guitar. And, uh, I think the kids ministers son who maybe was a college student at the time, like we did that together. Like that's what I remember is one of the very first times I was actually leading. And 
you know, so maybe that's you now and you, you don't want to get reps in kids ministry, do it anyways. It's yeah. okay. You don't have to, you don't have to only do things you want to do. Sometimes you can do things you don't want to do to honor God. And so get some reps in kids ministry. It's good for the soul. We should all do yeah. it at some point. Um, well, man, I'd love to just finish up with some, uh, just some fun questions. One, thanks for coming on and, and talking right. about this. I think this is a helpful conversation for young guys to one, see other people, maybe just a few years ahead of them or in a similar life stage who are growing in those things still. Like we're not saying we figured it out by any means, but man, we want to continue to grow and spur one another yeah. on in that. And so man, to finish this out, I'd love to know what's your go-to coffee shop and what are you going to order if you're at a coffee shop? Uh, repeat the first question. You kind of broke up a little bit. What's oh, your, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What's your go-to coffee shop? So where, where are you going in, in kind of yeah. your, the Dallas area and what are you getting? Yeah. There? So, uh, where I live in Dallas is weirdly a coffee desert. Like I have to drive like 15 minutes one way to kind of get to like a really good coffee shop. I'm not going to hate on Starbucks. There is a Starbucks just down the road, but like in regards to like craft coffee, uh, there is a place up north, probably like 10 minutes away called Native Coffee. Started to go there a lot uh, and they do a really good pour over. So I'll just get a pour over. Yeah. Very cool, man. What, uh, you know, if, so this is like a, a gear question. You can say you don't like gear, but what's your like go to, like what piece of gear are you using the most often when you're leading worship? Uh, I use, uh, I lead from an acoustic guitar and so I lead from a Martin guitar. Yeah. Sweet. You're a Martin guy. Do you, do you hate Taylors or are you, are both good? I have a Martin and a Taylor. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro camp. Uh, it's kind of like, I'm not just a reform guy. I also like throwing in some, some charismatic Holy spirit, uh, energy. Yes. I'm not going to pick one camp to stay in. So same with yeah. Martin and Taylor. I have, I have both. Yeah. Amen. I've got, I've got a Martin. I think you can see one behind me on this side. I got two Martins in the room with me and my tailors at the church. Cause I've actually been leading mostly with my tailor. Let's yeah. Go. I love it. What's your favorite song to lead right now with your church? Oh man. Um, our church, uh, our church has been writing a lot of music recently. So we've been leading some songs that we, our team has been writing. Uh, that doesn't help in this conversation because you're not able to look it up. We'd have nothing on Spotify. So for the sake of being able to actually like listeners be like, oh, what's that song? Uh, man, I'm going to go with the song that I've just been really getting a lot, a lot of life from leading uh, is Promises by Math City. Um, so that's been one that's just been really, uh, really sweet for us to lead uh, recently. Just and recounting the Lord's faithfulness. Yeah. All the guys who are watching this are wondering what key do you lead that in? <laughs> Math City. What? What? Yeah. What do you uh, I'll do it in. in? I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll do it in. Uh, I do it in B flat. Um, but at the nice. same time, like sometimes it's weird, you know, transitioning keys from B flat. And so, yeah. for the sake of just the cohesion of the set, a lot of times it's an A. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Well, man. Uh, one more question. Um, if you were gonna recommend just one book for a worship leader watching this who wants to grow in any area, maybe it's heart character mm -hmm. maybe it's worship leading what's what's one book recommendation you'd give um forgive me because i haven't watched every one of these youtube videos or the podcast here so I, I, i'm gonna try to avoid a book that i feel like you would have said uh and i'm gonna go with um tozer's pursuit of god um in regards to uh we have an internship program at our church and it's gonna be uh, the first book that I go over before we're jumping into 
Worship Matters or Doxology Theology, like before we're jumping into any of those books, which are very worship leader focused, I wanted to just see what does your heart look like before the Lord? Going back to our full circle here in our conversation, but like, man, what does it look like? What does your pursuit of God look like? And uh, there's this line, we'd love to end with this if I can, uh, but there's just this line that's just been haunting me. This I've read it three, maybe four times, but there's this line that's just been haunting me this time reading through it. And Tozer just writes that God waits to be wanted. And I'm like, man, that is just crazy that the creator of the universe is just like, hey, I'm here. I'm not distant. I'm not removed. I'm actually wanting and eager for the one that I'm delighting in, my son or my daughter, to like want me. And I was like, that's just been like destroying me this time through. So yeah, that, that wow. would be the book that I'd recommend, man. Man, very cool. Yeah, Tozer Rules. He's got so much good stuff on worship too. I've got a book back here called Quotable Tozer. And it's just, okay. it's just a book of quotes. He is oh, just so incredible. It. I think Tozer was also the one who said, uh, the church that can't worship will settle to be entertained. Woo! Like, oh yeah. Watch out. You, yeah. You watch out. If you want, if you want a brief overview of all of Tozer's great quotes, go listen to the Redman and Riddle podcast. And it's basically just Matt Redman quoting Tozer for every episode. Oh, it's so great. Good. Man, and I'll throw in one more book too. This is one I'm reading right now with uh, with my worship intern, uh, and it's just a book by Wayne Grudem. It's kind oh, of yeah. like his systematic theology, but in a, like a super like a mini palatable. version. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's like really small. It's awesome, and so I've never gone through that, but we're walking through that together. So. I guess this would be another book, but I'm sure everyone's already like been about it. Oh yeah, gentle and lowly. Yeah. That was Aaron yeah. Ivy's recommendation on his, oh, that was there his you book go, recommendation. Man. I actually recommended yeah. it to him, so. Oh, you win. It's like, I'm kidding. So, so basically you recommended it to all of our listeners, but you have exactly. vicariously. Yes, exactly. Cool. Well, man, thanks so much for coming on. I just want to say again, if you're watching this right now, uh, one, thanks so much for taking time to listen and watch this video. Uh, if there's any way that we can help you, you can reach out to me. You can go to my website, daltonshafermusic.com. You can contact me if you have any questions or want to grow in your worship leading. Uh, and as always, you know, if you found this helpful, like this video. If you're listening to a podcasting app, you can review it there uh, and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to continue to have you here watching our videos, listen to the podcast to help you grow in your worship leading. Because what this is all about is helping you lead your church and lead your team in biblically formed worship, the kind of worship that the Father's seeking, worship in spirit and truth. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.